It's a good thing. Real quick, resource table. If you want to grow, buy everything back there. I know personally the person who authored everything back there. Do you know you have a relationship with yourself? I do. We might talk about that a little bit this morning. And how you manage it will often determine where you'll go in life. Uh, I've been on a journey since I was a little child. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. If you could help me with that. Thanks, guys. Be nice to the sound guys. Yeah. <laughs> you never know when you might need their help. But I've been on a journey since I was a little child of learning how powerful the power of your words are. Remember, my dad told me, uh, he said, if you tell someone you're going to do something, do it. And the longer I walk with the Lord, there's a truth that's always emphasized to me, and it's this. God believes everything he says. He wants you to believe everything you say. When you're not a person of your word... What you're probably manifesting is, I'm not a person of my word, even though I'm a representative of God, because I don't believe God is a God of his word. It's really, really important. It's not to put shame or guilt on anyone, but it is an opportunity to switch your thinking. Like, even in the smallest things, you know, when some of you on your uh, voicemail on your cell go, I'll call you back when I get a chance. You don't ever call anyone back. You don't even call your mama back. That's actually called a lie. Yep. So maybe you should just change your message. You go, I'll call you back if I really like you. <laughs> I always thought some people who never call anyone back, I always thought, what if I was like calling them to give them like a large sum of money and they never called me back? <laughs> so anyway, and, and, uh, where you're living right now is largely a result of what you said yesterday. If you a prophecy 101. If you want to know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow, it's what you're saying today. It's people like, oh, I don't believe what you just said. I said, I know. I hear what's coming out of your mouth. Jesus said, you can have what you say. And it's a truth whether you believe it or not that's operating in your life. So anytime I see areas of my life that are out of alignment, I just begin to just not only declare God's word, but declare what the nature of God is in that area. So that's back there. And then um, probably some of the uh, I was able to put some language to uh, how I relate to God, how I hear to God. And I did this uh, retreat. It was really, really amazing, powerful time. About 75 people. We had them from all over the country and also uh, one international student. It's called Prophetic Intensive. It's nine CDs, also our teaching notes in there. And um, I might get to some of this, but certainly won't get to all of it. But um, I just uh, talk about how we hear, how we grow in the prophetic gifting. Gifts of the Spirit are like a muscle. You've got to work them out. Right. And what, I, what I've discovered in walking in life in the Spirit is this. Everyone in this room, whether you know it or not, you've been taught to think and to operate a certain way. You've been discipled by either one system or another system. There's no demilitarized zone. You're either thinking like God or thinking like the devil in a particular area. And if you're in the middle of the road, you get one over. And some of the challenge is now that when we really want to move like God, many people find that strange and weird because they've never moved in that direction. Actually, it's the most natural thing to do is to walk by faith, not by sight. The most natural thing is to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And so we have to switch how we feel and how we relate to God in this world if we're going to walk as He intends. So that's there. And then uh, book. You can buy my book. Best book I ever wrote. What um, it is. You should do all things well. If you're not going to do it well and with excellence, it's probably not worth doing. God gives a measure of honor to every person in this room, especially if you're in Christ. You're the most honored person in the world. How you display you've received honor is that you strive to do all things well. You don't have to be the best at what you do, but you have to do your best. By the way, in the Bible, there's no such thing as middle class. So... Anyway, read my book if you haven't. It's also available on Kindle. All right.
Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just lift our hands and pray for a moment? That'd be a good place to start. Father, today, over the next uh, three days, we call things be not as though they are, because they will be in Jesus' name. We just say everything's coming into alignment with the things of heaven, with the ways of heaven. Teach us how to interact between two worlds. Thank you, because we have been given the genius of the mind of Christ. Thank you that you have made all grace abound towards us. Now, Father, I declare that your people are good hearers of your word, producing 30, 60, and 100 full return. Father, thank you for the uh, angel of revelation that's in this room. I need your help, God. I can't do anything without you, but with you, everything's possible. So thank you that this is Bethel, the gate of heaven. Align us with your will, purposes, and ways today. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ come to this room. Let us see what we've never seen. Father, let us even say things we've never said today. Que tu nombre es glorificado en este lugar. Amen. Gloria a Dios, yeah. What's your name in the red there? Yeah, right there. No, you're turning away. No, it's right there. Right there. What's your name? Yeah, you. No, no, the lady in front of you. Yeah, yeah. It's not that I don't like you. You seem like a very nice person. I just... Yeah, you, right here. No, no. Right there. You keep turning away from me. It's your thing. Do your thing. Red hair. I said red hair. No, maybe I said red hair in my mind. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks for helping me. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> What's your name? Dottie. Dottie, you have a really strong prophetic gifting. And the gifting is going to be launched. I feel like you hear from the Lord, but there's a hesitancy in your heart to step out and do what God's called you to do. There's three specific things. Feedback. There's three specific things that the Lord is calling you to do in this season and to step out of the boat and to be, you're, you're going to be like a Peter in this season. As you hear the voice of the Lord, you're going to begin to walk on water and it's going to conquer your fears. It's going to conquer even uh, things of your past and it's going to bring great, great strength and victory, not only to your life, but to your family's life. And I see Jesus, he's standing in front of you and he's touching your ears to just hear his voice. You also have a, a, a strong healing anointing, but there's encounters reserved for you that will up upgrade your prophetic gifting and it will make you as bold as a lion. The enemy has tried to make you as timid as a little cat, but there's a lioness inside of you. And God wants you to know he's pleased with you. And he says, stop looking behind because when you look behind, you can't move forward and your future is coming to you today. Also, I don't know if there's something wrong with your back, but the fire of God's going down your back, down your legs and is releasing healing in your body. The Lord says to you, I never forsook the call of God upon your life. Though you stumbled, though you feel like everything was lost, the Lord said, I am the God of restoration. I'm the God who hears and I'm the God of divine alignment. And I see Jesus standing in front of you. And actually, he's um, he's actually just pointing out your mouth. He said, go back to the book of prophecies. And revisit the promises that I've given you. Begin to declare them out of your mouth. You'll be like Job in this season. You'll begin to decree a thing and it will be established to you. For inside of you there is a grace that is supposed to touch nations. Inside of you there is a grace that is supposed to bring transformation. Inside of you there is a, a compassion for the least among us, among, among the world population. Inside of you there is a grace that is supposed to bring transformation to cities, churches, and regions. And the Lord says, I remind you of that because I never took that call away from you. And I invite you to align with purpose, destiny, and victory. And you're going to begin to dream again in the night like never before to remind you of the call and the purpose of God on your life. I have not 
lifted the call of God on your life. I have not lifted the call of God upon your life. When I brought you two together, I brought you together for specific purpose, time, and dream for the earth. And I have not lifted that purpose. Someone in this room, you have a pain in your neck. If you have a pain in your neck, why don't you just stand real quick. The Lord's going to heal you. Just shut your hands towards Him. Father, thank you for the the word of the Lord. You don't point, point out sickness and disease just to humor us. So thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here to bring healing. Thank you for healing. Thank you for healing now. Be completely whole. There's a spirit of infirmity that tries to run in your family. And I just break the power of that spirit of infirmity. I say that the blood of Jesus cancels every line of sickness. Now! In Jesus' name. And I I got real Pentecostal there. And I release the life of God. Just cancel all sickness and all disease. Cancel all sickness and all disease in this room. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus, don't worry, I'll be gentle. I'm a gentle person. Jesus' name. Whoa! That comes from anxiety. So just, I lift off burden, weights, heaviness, worries. The Lord says, why do you worry? I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm standing right next to you. Every time you worry, it's like you're saying, I'm not there, but I'm actually got my hand right next to you. So in Jesus' name, I lift off burdens, weights, worries. And I release healing to you. Denise, the Lord says that you're in your place of promise. You're in your place of fruitfulness and you're in your place of advancement. And there are words that the Lord gave you many, many years ago that couldn't be fulfilled until you came to live in this area. And the Lord says there's coming transition after transition and favor after favor. And your testimony is going to be, I never knew it could be this good. Okay. All right. I am going to do part two this morning. I feel like I'm supposed to do that. How many were here for last night? All right. Do part two of the prophetic lifestyle. We define the prophetic lifestyle as this, the call of God upon every believer to discern the will of God for their lives and partner with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to live out that reality. And we define the lifestyle as this, a typical way of living, reflecting Excuse me. Reflecting attitudes, preferences of an individual group. We said this, the one who embraces the prophetic lifestyles by the grace of God, embarking to uh, embrace, excuse me, not embarking, embracing the lordship of Jesus Christ in their mind, their will and emotions. Do you know that um, humanity in Genesis one was made in the image of God? Jesus was the express image of God. So everything that Jesus did is now the inheritance of every believer in this room. That's good news. It's really good news. And we said some core values that are important for not only every believer is, 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 uh, is this. God is committed to building his church. And he's committed to every person in this room. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are 100% committed to the purpose of God being established in your life. And they've taken 100% ownership for every person in this room. Another principle is this. As citizens of the kingdom, you have access to all things. He has freely given you all things. Everything you need in relation to life and godliness, what? They're yours today if you're in Christ. 
And, and the, the beauty is the journey of how we learn to overcome everything in this world through the access we have to the kingdom of heaven because we have access to all things. And your life in Christ is not, is not a chance. This, this is what takes out all fatalism. This is what takes out all happenstance. Well, my life has to be this way because of this, because of that. No, if you're in Christ, this commitment that God has to the individual believer and, and, and to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, this commitment that he has to, to them actually takes out this concept that you're somehow waiting for things to happen in the earth or you're somehow hoping that God might help you. He's made a commitment to help you. Now he is by the grace of God extending to you the grace that you need and the faith to, to, to step out and to do everything he's asked you to do. I've discovered this. Many times, unless, unless God asks us to do something, we don't actually realize that we have the ability to do it. And there's this beautiful tension in the kingdom. What, I, don't know, I don't know if you uh, realize this, but walking with God is like, is, is, uh, I, I'm gonna, I, I, need to, I keep saying, to, I need to buy it. Because walking with God is like being that cartoon character Gumby. He's constantly stretching. He's constantly upgrading. He's constantly shifting. He's constantly exposing areas in our thinking that are not aligned with him properly. He, because your heart is, is, is your compass for life. Your heart, the trajectory of your heart, the affections of your heart define where you go. And so, and so, and, and the challenges sometimes is when, even when you have a little fruit in certain areas that he, he, he will challenge that area. He goes, uh, let me go a little deeper in there because he's constantly trying to upgrade how you think how you feel and here's what's very important it's important to what to grow in the knowledge of God because just because you've been born again for 20 years doesn't make you mature you might have been taking the same year for 20 years And no one's arrived. No one's perfect. Sometimes we need to hear things more than once. And, you know, he's really, really gracious. Sometimes people think, well, I'll just leave the church. And they leave the church with the same problem. Or I'll move across the country because that'll solve my issue. And it doesn't solve their issue. Just they're in a different geographical place with the same issue. But it's important to constantly progress in truth because where there is no progression of truth, you cease to become relevant. And even even I'll take it a greater step. This is what I'm learning even more. Unless you're continually shifting your thinking, the impo- everything is not possible for you. You can confess whatever you want. Everything, my God can do everything. Well, you can confess that. But unless your thinking is aligned in that trajectory, it's really not. And the beauty of God, he's not mean or he's not cruel, but he's trying to teach you that everything really is possible. But he, 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 um, he's very gracious. So we looked at Joseph. In the life of Joseph, we called him an example of what we look at in this prophetic lifestyle, we saw that Joseph was loved and favored by his father in heaven. One of the things that you should really keep in mind is the favor of God makes it possible to do everything that God has called you to do and opens a door no man can shut to do what he's called you to do and to fulfill the will of God for your life. It's one of the things I keep in front of us looking at it this morning. I said, the favor of God is on me. The favor of God surrounds me. The favor of God goes before me. In the time of need, favor comes my way. The favor of God opens the door to everything God's called me to do here on this earth. And we saw that Joseph's favor and immaturity caused a clashing of two environments. And we saw that God spoke to him in a dream. And that dream... Received by Joseph became a gateway between heaven and earth for the will of God to be fulfilled in the life of Joseph. As believers, we're supposed to be able to take things from an unseen realm, which is heaven, 
lock them up in our heart, and then manifest them to the earth so the earth is never the same again. And that dream that Joseph got had to define his mindset and his identity from that moment forward. One of the, one of the keys to living in kingdom life is there's, there, there's, there's uh, two different keys that are very interesting that run together. It's the ability to give, but it's also the ability to receive. And we must identify those areas in our personality, in who we are. We must identify them according to the prophetic purpose on our life. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say we get a prophetic word like, you're, you're a prayer warrior, you're a man or woman of God, you're going to stand in the face of the enemy, you're going you're to move regions for him. But you know, you don't even like praying. But often, here's, here's what it is. Now, I'm not saying every prophetic word you've ever gotten like, is from the Lord. But these words that we know are from the Lord. Often what people will do is they will define the word or the revelation they're receiving by their environment, not by where God wants to take them. It's a really key of life. Because the enemy will try and define you by your current state and say, uh, you're nuts. But here's where the transfer happens, and here's where it w- was very important to our identity. We are supposed to take the, 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 those things that don't align with that prophetic word and begin to go, what needs to change in my mindset so I can become the person God is asking me to become? I remember years ago, uh, this great, great prophet, he went to be with the Lord uh, last year. You know, I heard wonderful things about him. I was in this meeting and, and you know, you know, first thing he does, well, the first thing he does, is, where's Abner? And he, you know, prophets are very interesting people. He's got his trumpet and I'm on the other side of the stage and what? And he starts prophesying, but I'm on the floor. And I'm thinking, well, this is really good. God's touching me. And he's prophesying. And I'm thinking, whoever is getting that prophetic word, they're getting an awesome word. That's an amazing word. And then I realized the man was ministering over me. What happened? Everything that I knew about myself to be true came to the surface and warred with where God wanted to take me. And this is where we get to shift our thinking. So it's important, even when our practices do not line up with what the God has told us, it's important to go, no, this is really who I am. I want to suggest to you that if Jesus himself had to align with the prophetic word over his life, he did that when he began his, his, his public ministry. Isn't that amazing? Jesus aligned with the prophetic word, Isaiah 61 in Luke, the fourth chapter. And he goes, this is who I am. And this is who God has called me to be. What's he doing? Number one, receiving the call of God. Even though he received it since he was born, I believe. But there was a public proclamation with the words of his mouth. And here's what begins to happen as we receive and as we take in what God has told us we're called to do. He will use situations to identify where we're not living up to that area. Man, you're such a loving and patient person. You're amazing. You love the unlovable. And then you get to work. (laughs) uh, For me personally, this is just being very transparent. I don't have any, like, it's never been a challenge for me to, to love down and out people, the poor, pastors, Philippines, children we feed. There's another segment of people. Often they're called believers. And sometimes really, I really have trouble with. And what I've come to learn, that God loves those people. No, let's just be honest. He loves them just like he loves the orphan, the widow, 
So God speaks to Joseph and he gives him a picture of his future. And Joseph became fully persuaded when he received the dream. And we looked at the concept that there were two realms trying to define who Joseph was. There was what God had said about him and there there was the environment around him. The enemy was trying to establish him in identity and God was trying to establish him in identity. Prophetic people, we said, learn to see the future from God's perspective and manifest it in the seen realm. Our lives become a transfer place between heaven and earth to birth God's desire in the earth. What a privilege that we actually represent God. That you get to represent God. That your words, your mouth, your testimony, your, your ability to cooperate with God in the area of the miraculous gets to represent God to other people. And one of the big things to do is you need to be fully convinced of who God says you are. I've learned that. Especially when I fly someplace. Or who are you? I said, well, I'm a son of God. It's, it's a good day for you. I kind of look at you. And here's where we continue on this morning. Joseph had to embrace process. Process is a journey of trust and learning to live by faith in every season. We do not want situational faith, but we want relational faith rooted in our identity. Here's one way I try and... uh, show forth how how uh, identi- uh, not situational faith, but learning to live by faith in every season. The Lord was uh, is constantly teaching me about the subject, but he, he showed me this a number of years ago. When I was a child, I grew up where, you know, we still, we didn't, we didn't run after Pokemon. We just played football and stuff. <laughs> I grew up in a different era. I mean, it's cool if you want to live in a virtual world. Anyway, um, Moving right along. (laughs) But uh, we had a whole group of kids that we played. And um, I remember when the kids on my block, maybe their bike would break or a ball would, you know, burst, you know, because we still played sports. We got out of the house. Anyway. It's ironic, right? I thought all the gamers just lived in their basements. Now they're getting them out of the house. Like, welcome to the real world, you know. (laughs) Thanks for leaving your parents' basement after 25 years. (laughs) I'm having fun. Honry fun with some of you. Welcome to the real world where you interact with other people. But I I remember I was about, I think, four or five years old. And in my mind, and I still think like this, if a kid would, his bike would break down or something would happen, I said, well, just bring it over to the house. My dad will fix it. He can fix anything. And here's here's what what I've seen has sometimes been my experience with believers. They don't realize the nature of the miraculous they're experiencing in one area is transferable to another area. I've seen this many times, even in our own movement. God's moving, I mean, powerfully. Miracles happening, things happening. And then we go to eat because that's where we worship the Lord as charismatics after service. Praise the Lord. I celebrated National Cheesecake Day yesterday. I have been waiting on that cheesecake for like a month. Oh, Jesus. But I've been in many meetings and I'll go, hey, you need to go to, you know, you need to go to Africa. God's calling you go to go to Iris or something. Oh, I could never do that. That cost a lot of money. And you just walked out of a meeting where cancer was healed. Whatever it is, blind eyes open. What is that? That's situational faith. 
He actually believes he can help you do everything that you need. In order for Joseph, and I believe us, to fulfill our destiny, he had to embrace a lifelong journey which included opposition. Listen, Jesus was born into a world of opposition. We must not shrink back from challenges or difficulties. We must gird ourselves and learn to encourage ourselves by the grace of God. And to see every mountain come down. Here's the other thing is, if you really understand how God wants to relate to you, you don't have any other choice. Okay. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Trust myself? Trust my own ability to do it? And it's never helped me. Like, I've never like, oh, that was amazing. I stayed up for three hours just worrying about it. I feel so much better now. Joseph had to embrace a lifelong journey which included opposition. It is a journey, listen to this. In some seasons, the primary focus of God in our lives is character development. It appears at times that Joseph, and for him, he was literally a prisoner of his own dreams. But if you look at biblical characters who actually change nations, who we remember forever, there are moments in their life. I don't know why. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, there's this mystical part of God that we must embrace. I don't know why uh, David spends time fleeing from Saul. Saul tried to kill him. I forget how many billions of dollars he used to kill one man. I'm sure he felt very dishonored. But it was actually his training process. Daniel is serving a wicked system, but he's seeing the reality of God fulfilled. And here's the thing. There is no wasted time in your life. Let me say it again. There is no wasted time in your life. Years ago, I was talking to the Lord and I was telling him how, how I should be much more ahead in my journey than I am right now. And he spoke to me something that encouraged me forever. He said, Abner, I do not waste anyone's time. People waste my time. So everything around you now can be used as a learning experience. I was telling my story last week to this school. You know, I remember, I, it's going to be like 20 years ago. I had this just life-changing moment. With, it changed my whole life. I didn't feel anything. I said, but I just stood up in this room and I said, I'm giving everything to you. And my whole life changed from that day forward. And I was in I was in college at the time. I was on a uh, uh, going to schools. They're going to give me a, a, a wrestling scholarship. And I remember, well, I'll go train for ministry. You know, everybody's going to ministry school. That and he said, No, I have a different training for you. And I got I I, I thought that was exciting until I started the training. <laughs> and little did I know, the training started in a in a dorm room with the with me and God and me trying to figure out how you talk to God. It's really cool. I go around my college friends and they're going, you do what? I was asking the Lord about his nature and the story of Joseph one day. I said, you got to talk to me about Joseph because he went through some difficult things. And I'll always remember what he said. He said, I have it written down. It's probably almost 10 years ago. He said, it was my mercy and my grace that allowed Joseph to walk through the process of destiny. Listen to this. To build within him the internal structure to carry the weight of the authority and the assignment that I had for his life. And then he said to me, he said, I want to build an immovable foundation in a generation of Joseph's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on. 
A foundation is what holds a structure together. A building cannot cannot go real, real high without a firm foundation. And I thought, I, I grew up outside New York City. I live in the promised land now, though. Lord, I live in North Carolina. Come visit us. He visits other places, but he lives in North Carolina. And I remember you drive by and they, you know, they build these big skyscrapers and they would have the architect would have a picture of what that building was supposed to look like. The architect is the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And they know exactly how they want to build your spiritual house. And they were they were they would build. They go, we started construction on this building and it doesn't look like anything's taking place. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, uh, I got a, a, a church that I'm, I'm, I'm friends with in uh, Connecticut. They're, they're a little further along. But last year they go, we started our building. It's like a $13 billion building. And all I saw was a hole. And these workers are going every day. What are they doing? Building the foundation. And I asked the builder years ago, because I was just started asking the Lord, see... Your statements from the Lord are invitations to inquiries. And in the kingdom of God, He is equal opportunity, not equal revelation and equal fruit. I'm convinced that if Jesus was an American pastor, a lot of people would have gotten mad at Him. Because He didn't go, okay, um... Judas, why don't you come up on the Mount of Transfiguration with me? No. He brought the same three guys usually to do the work. All those other guys knew Jesus as an itinerant preacher, as a miracle worker, and as a great preacher. It was Peter, James, and John who got to see him in his transfigured glory. It wasn't that the others weren't invited, but he said, many are called and few are chosen. Now I'm getting a little older, so they have me talk to these groups. Young people, if you're called to ministry. I said, awesome. Get on fire for God. Forget about trying to build your ministry and build your relationship with God. And see. It's not a competition, but you're going to have to work real hard to dig deeper than me. Because I want to know Him. I want to burn forever. I remember when I first started getting touched by the Holy Spirit, people people like, oh, you'll calm down. I haven't calmed down. I don't ever want to calm down. Like, oh, that's how we were. I said, now you're dead, huh? <laughs> Where there's no progression of truth, you become irrelevant. And you learn how to live from Christian principles, not the voice of God. Yeah. That constantly challenges you, that constantly brings you higher, that constantly makes you like Jesus. And the, this builder said to me, he said, he said, oh, I always remember the statement he said to me, because it was God speaking to me. God will speak to you through anything, really. Like, Just because you prophesy, you're really not that special. He used a donkey. (laughs) He used an ass. (laughs) So I had to say it. It's not a curse when you say it in that context. Some of you are looking at me real interesting right now, but you said worse stuff on the way to church, so I'm just going to leave it there. But he said to me, he said, Abner, in dealing with foundations for all these years, he said, I never try and patch up a foundation. He goes, I've just always had problems with houses. He goes, we just start over. And it may look like in your life, none of those things that God told you are happening. It may look like it's gone totally in an opposite direction. Welcome to Joseph's life. But if you are stewarding the day that you're in, He's going real, real deep. And let me say, it is your history with God that will determine your altitude and your destiny. 
It's when you think nobody's watching. It's when he whispers something, go, go help the lady next door. It's when he goes, no, add, add a couple zeros to that check today. It's when whatever it looks like, it goes, it's when he goes, hey, I need you to forgive this person. You're building your history with God. God is laying the foundation for the people of God to be able to steward the greatest transformation of the nations of the earth the world has ever seen. I believe this with all... This is not just hype. I've seen some people, they've gotten disappointed and disillusioned over. They go, where's the revival? It's happening. Open your eyes. It might, might not be happening on the scale yet that he's told us, but we're in it right now. The river is here. There was a line released in the spirit for many of us in the mid-90s. It was a line where God moved in Toronto and God moved in Brownsville. And many of us said we'd never be the same. And we haven't been. Stewardship is an essential element of Joseph's life. Psalm 105 says this, Until that time... The word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. Here's some different, I call them test and transition in the life of Joseph. Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, the potter for an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Remember, a good day is that he sold into slavery. And this is what I, let me finish reading it bought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him down there. The Lord, always keep this in mind, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. I believe the NIV says he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of the master Egyptian. Stop right there. This is what I call the divine intersections of life. This is what I call the unexpected things that we didn't expect. This is what I call the bankruptcy, the marriage, whatever it is, the big life thing that we never put in our journal but happens to us. And it is in those moments you have an opportunity to go, what am I going to do? Am I going to choose to define myself by this tragedy, by this pain that I'm feeling, or am I choose to go to, to stand and go, God, you are good, you are faithful, and I will do, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm not un- uncompassionate and unsympathetic to anyone in this room who's gone through trauma and gone through difficulty. But here's the truth. Are you going to choose to define yourself by your, by your trauma, by your past mistakes? Or are you choosing to do, go, I have a day to live. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will receive the grace of God. Wherever I've been hurt, I will get healed and I will move ahead. Sorry, but I refuse to make somebody who, who, who hurt me, who abused me, I refuse to keep them as a God the rest of my life and go, I can't fulfill my destiny. I will not be imprisoned to that because the blood of Jesus is way bigger than that. So if there was anyone who could have chosen to be a victim, it could have been this young man. And he's a young man, make no doubt about it. And here's the picture that happens. It says he was successful and he was prosperous, yet he's a slave. How is someone prosperous, yet he's a slave? Why? Because this is where it all begins, the internal structure. When you are, when you have prosperity on the inside of your heart and your mind, it doesn't matter who's holding you back. It doesn't matter if they go, you're stuck. It doesn't matter matter if you're bankrupt, what's in here begins to manifest on everything out there. How can you do that? Because his identity defined his responsibility. I have a responsibility to what God has told me. Now I either can sit here and just, or that's where responsibility comes from. When we know our identity, we become responsible people. Uh 
responsibility was birthed as, out, of, out of identity, and his understanding of his identity caused his external environment to be affected by who he was. Now, this is also an important part. Genesis 39, verse 6. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, like Abner. No, I, I, that's, that's Abner translate. It's not there, but it's in my Bible. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me but you because you are his wife. Watch this line. Keep this line in mind. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, she spoke to him. Keep verse 10 in mind. Day by day, and he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. First thing I want you to notice that is a very, very key part of this stewardship story. In the kingdom of God, you do not advance simply by showing up. In the kingdom of God, you do not advance simply by showing up. What do I mean by that? I'm telling you, God is really funny. He is hilarious. Because he doesn't send Joseph to Harvard. He does not send Joseph to a really good school to train him to become second in command. This is what he does. He makes him a slave and begins to build his resume. What is he going to do when he leads a nation? He's going to be an administrator. He's going to be someone who stewards things. He's going to be moving moving different parts around. That's exactly what's happening here. Let me stop here. A lot of people believe just because they show up, they advance in the kingdom of God. There is a stewardship process to cooperating with the grace of God. Let me say this. I fly Delta just about every week. They say way too much when the plane starts. We're flying at, I don't really care. Just get me there quickly. But I'm, I, if, if, if I ever got on a, on a Delta flight and the pilot said, bless God, I've never flown before. But I was a, as a Redemption House Life Center, the prophetic team gave me a word that I'm going to soar like an eagle. So I want to give praise to God that they're going to let me fly this plane today. I'm getting off the plane. Because you have my life in your hands. And I haven't gotten married yet. And that's going to be a big deal in heaven. It's a big deal. So sometimes people think speaking in tongues and, and anointing are just enough. But there is a stewardship. There is a development of the grace of God on your life that you must allow. You must steward the moment that you're in. Let me just say, let me say this. How, I, I was talking to a doctor. You, most doctors, at least eight years. I would rather, it, thank God, I do not get sick. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I really believe miracles are not for believers. Divine health is. Miracles are us to display to the rest of the world. I don't want to live by miracle to miracle. I want to live in the blessing of God. But if, God forbid, there was something that happened... I don't want a first-year medical student. I don't care if he talks in tongues and been to Bethel for a year. Give me an atheist doctor who's an expert in what he's doing who touches my body. Why? Because I want someone who has some experience and expertise in doing what he's called him to do. And then here we see he's stewarding his gift where he's at. God is favoring him. See, the favor of God follows you even when you're in a prison. The favor of God never left him. I'm sure the enemy said every day, Hey, dreamer, it's really working out well. And now he's been put in a position of power and this woman comes to him. It's a test of authority. It's amazing. Some people get a little power inside the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, help us all. What is this stupidity demanding people to do things for them? 
Jesus never demanded people to, to, to kiss his ring. I'm not saying we can't serve leaders. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's this weirdness out there. It's a witchcraft spirit that people are bound by. I'll leave it there. But here's the thing. Now he's got some authority. And this woman comes to him. She doesn't come to him once. She comes to him over and over again. Here's what I want to tell you. You don't make morality decisions when immorality tempts you. You make it way before then. No one's perfect, but no one's arrived. But I've been reading Daniel over and over again. Here's what we must do. I'm, I'm dead serious about this because every person in this room, you're called to be a Joseph to the world around you. But here is the thing. You cannot affect a system that you like. The reason David's able to defeat Goliath is because Goliath didn't live in him. We must purpose in our hearts that that we will not bow to the system of this world. If you've made a mistake, no shame, no blame, no guilt. God doesn't do that. But you must purpose in your heart. I will not compromise. My eyes I will keep before me. I will not touch this. I'll have certain safeguards. I won't be with women alone. Whatever you need to do. Because here's the thing. If Joseph goes, gosh, he's fine. And you know, a man's got needs. You know, I'm a young man. She's good looking. Perhaps, I don't know. Thank God we don't have to find out. Perhaps a man who's supposed to change a nation dies because he has adultery with a woman. The other part about it is take morality things, but here's the key. Every day she came to him and every day you hear from two different realms. And the enemy loves to wear you down. Second Corinthians 10, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, what? To the obedience of Christ. And sometimes you got to do it over and over again. And listen to me, this is where sometimes you have to take out your feelings. And here's the other thing. There's a difference between immaturity and rebellion. Just because you have some areas that God is working through, don't let the enemy beat you up. He's a religious spirit. He's a legalist. He knows his legal rights. You can joyfully change in the process of the journey of walking with God. But here's the... here. I I don't have quite time to look at it today. But what happened in the garden? Genesis 3. He has no power until the enemy comes and goes, did God really say? And what happened? The thoughts that the enemy was bringing him turned his eyes towards the fruit. You don't want to live life living from the realm of your soul. And the this it gets good news though. The place where Adam fell is the place where Jesus won victory. Adam entered into temptation. The DNA structure of the world was changed forever. But what happened when Jesus came? The enemy came to him and he said, this, that, that. And Jesus overcame every temptation. So we could overcome every temptation and every lie of the enemy and live in victory. Jesus, that's good news. Jesus has made a way so everything, every accusation. Oh, Matt, you're not going to make it. Matt, you've always been a failure. Oh, you keep, you keep struggling with that cigarette. Right, right, right. All the lies Jesus overcame for you. What's happened? Oh, you used to lead worship here. Oh, no, no. He's overcame everything for you. And he says, you're a called son. You're a loved son. You're not far from the house of your father. I love God. He never forsakes anyone. A religious spirit does that. A few more things. Joseph increased in authority as he stewarded the gift of God upon his life. What happens? He does the right thing and he gets into trouble. He's thrown into prison. 
Most people, I think too, I don't think Potiphar believed that Joseph actually went after his wife because there were no Bill of Rights then. He messed with my wife, I'll kill you. (laughs) That's what the Egyptian system was. He was a slave. Throws him into prison. What happens? The butler and the baker show up. What's also happening? Because of the favor on his life, he becomes an administrator. He's building his resume. And I love the line in there. I don't have time to read it. I will land the plane. He looks at them and he goes, Why are you sad? Which probably meant, even though he was in prison, he wasn't sad. The joy of the Lord can be your portion in the toughest of circumstances. So I never stop the, the laughter when I know it's from the Lord because I have no idea what God is bringing somebody through. I remember one of the toughest, challenging times I had in ministry. I laid at a floor in Life Center for an hour and a half and I, fe- and I got delivered of all the depression that was trying to hit me. What happens? He interprets their dream. <laughs> one guy's dead, so he can't tell anyone. <laughs> The other guy lives. It's an interesting line in there, though. He goes, hey, please remember me when you get out of here. Because I'm in here by an injustice. What happens, though? He forgets. This is, this is something in the heart of God. I don't understand it fully. But he has a way of letting you know, I'm your source. And I'll even make people around you who can help you forget about opening a door, about putting in a good word with their boss. Because he wants to tell you, I'm your source. And I'll open a door no man can shut. I'm not saying we, we don't network or anything like that, but there's time and time again where he'll prove to us, he's our source. What happens? Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted. This is a great thing. No one in Pharaoh's system and in no one in Pharaoh's nation can answer the question he needed answer to. Why is this so important? Because no one can answer the questions that you're supposed to answer to the world system around you. Why am I so... Because I hate to see God's people robbed. You weren't born to just sit in a pew and you say, oh, praise the Lord. Give some money. Awesome. Get hands laid on you by Abner when he comes to town. You were born to change the world. So now he's in front of Pharaoh. I love, I don't, we can't, I don't have time to read the whole story, but I love it because Pharaoh goes, I heard you interpret dreams. And he goes, no, only God interprets dreams. But then he listens to his dream and he interprets his dream. What happened? He's a New Testament picture. Joseph became the voice of God to Pharaoh. And he not only had the interpretation, he had the wisdom to understand how to administrate that dream. And he found himself in employment. Catch what happened there. Joseph's dream is not fulfilled until Pharaoh's dream is fulfilled. Or at least what to do with it. Some of our lives are connected with other people that were meant to fulfill their dream before our dream comes to pass. And I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I'm just going to say this. A place where you probably need to mature is when you keep saying, when's it going to be my turn? There's nothing wrong with desire to fulfill your destiny, but when it's a constant focus of you, probably the focus needs to change in that season. And there should always be a celebration when you see others breaking through into things that you want to see the breakthrough. Because he's no respecter of persons. Yeah. 
and the path that he's taking on you, taking you on, he knows what you can handle in this season. Here's the final one. He passed the test of offense. He passed the test. Now he's in authority and his brothers are standing in front of him. He can do whatever he wants with these guys. I personally think, because why not just go, hey guys, remember the dream? It just happened. He kind of plays this game with him. Our ability to forgive and to receive healing for trauma we've received determines often the altitude of what we do when we're in a place of authority. He forgives his brothers. And we have to forgive everyone who's wronged us. There's such a power in releasing people who have hurt us. It's really, really powerful. Close with this story. I think about three years ago, three or four years ago. And I certainly haven't arrived and I certainly don't get it right all the time. But one of the prayers I pray often, it goes, God, is there anything you'd like me to do that I'm not doing or anything that needs to shift right now? He says some crazy things to me over the years. He goes, yeah. Remember that guy you lived with in graduate school? Yeah, that was a while ago, God. Yeah, you weren't a very good roommate to him. No, I was amazing. I was a godly man. He said, I want you to call him and ask for forgiveness. Well, I know where he works, but it might be hard getting a hold of him. So be the, being the obedient son, I waited about 10 days. <laughs> and the whole time, God goes, call him. And I knew that afternoon I had to call him. And I picked up the phone. And I called him. And he goes, oh, I was just about to leave. I was like, I was hoping you weren't there. <laughs> and I repented to him. And he was actually very gracious. He wasn't even a believer. He goes, no, you're one of my best roommates. I said, that was my assessment. That wasn't God's. I didn't say that to him, but that's what I was thinking. It only matters what God thinks, you know. We talked for a few minutes. It was actually a very good conversation. Hung up the phone. And I know many of you know what this means, but as soon as I clicked the end button on my cell phone, I knew something had shifted in my life. And I saw God release a grace in the area of relationships that I've never been the same from that moment forward. I don't know fully what all happened. But let me, let me just finish with this. For, for some, and there, there could be a timing to this by the Holy Spirit, for some, it's not just enough to ask God to forgive you. If at all possible, you need to make it right with certain people. Some people are like, well, I ask God to forgive me. Yeah, but you're, you hurt your wife pretty bad. Hurt your children pretty bad. And they can't stand God because of the decisions you made. Now, they have to work out of that, but you have to go ask them for forgiveness. Well, God's forgiven. Yes, He has. But complete forgiveness and redemption won't happen until you ask them to forgive you. I'm not saying it's easy. But it's a beautiful thing. We become, we identify with the cross of Jesus in humility when we go, I'm a human being who's erred you. And listen, a person may not receive it. That's fine. But my job is to take responsibility for what I did. And by the grace of God, I go, please forgive me. I'm a follower of Jesus and the way I treated you was not correct. And we don't blame them for our own behavior. We don't just want the conviction of knowing we have to ask for forgiveness. We want the grace to bring complete redemption. A lot of people feel the guilt and feel bad about it, but they don't have true repentance. Hey, Pastor Dave, 
I'm really sorry I did that to you. But if you hadn't spoke to me that way, I wouldn't have never said that to you. What am I doing? I'm blaming him for my own actions. All we have to do is own our stuff. And there's great healing because of it. Receive this word. If you receive this word, why don't you just stand to your feet? Thanks for listening. Now? You want me to take? You want to take? Okay. No, no, you can take. I'll take it later in the week, though. Be happy to. No, no, just stay right here. I'm, we're not going to do anything because we got to finish up. I'm over time. Sorry. Over time. Over time. Come back at 2 30. It's going to be amazing. There'll be at some point a session where we'll lay hands on everyone. But right now, why don't you just lift your hands? If you want a word from the Lord, I just gave it the last hour. Holy Spirit, thank you because you're good and your love endures forever. By the authority you've given me, I bless your people with the goodness of God. And I just release the spirit of truth to expose errors. Right now, if you need to forgive anyone, just ask the Lord if there's anyone you need to forgive. If there's anyone you have anything against. Right there. He'll show people right there. He'll show people right there. Good. Just ask the Lord to forgive you. In the timing of the Lord, maybe some of you need to make it right. Some of you need to make phone calls this week. Some of you need to go make visits in people's homes this week. Remember, anything that he exposes, he exposes it for our certain good. To bring redemption in that situation. So, Father, we forgive by your grace this person. We release them to you. They owe us nothing. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of redemption. Now just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare your people are building their lives on a solid foundation. I say that they will never be moved from the place that they're at in Jesus' name. I say that they are diligently hearkening unto your voice in the name of Jesus. By the authority you've given me, I declare that this is a season of divine alignment. I declare that this is a season of momentum shift in their life. I say their minds and their hearts are aligning with everything that you are. I see this. I see a door of encounter opening for all of us in this room. I say that the fellowship and encounter with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are your highest delight. I say that your mind is shifting and your eyes and ears are changing. Amen. Hey, let's do this. Let's give Jesus a big praise. Just give him thanks. Give him thanks. Come on. We just bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, how many people received that word? Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord. I pray right now for every person in this room that he has sown this seed in your heart. And we say, let it be good ground in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to sow into the seed what the word that's been planted. Because we want to be a blessing uh, to this gift that's been given to us. Abner Suarez, uh, we're just going to write our checks to 